It's 8.31 in time. Of course, it's Thursday. That means Brian Smith, Canabic County Sheriff, comes in and shares all of his knowledge and wisdom with me. <laughs> Hear I that chuckle? It's a short show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week. No, but it's so nice that you come in. Again, we thank Bozeman Newton Insurance because uh, they helped sponsor this get-together and have done so since day one that I went on the air, which is so awesome. So, Brian, why don't we start with, uh, you know, the calls to service. Or calls for it. We Why were right keep, at that yeah. uh, 250 mark again. Um, okay, so that's about normal, yeah, right? Pretty, yeah, it's kind of been the standard lately. Um, we only had five new arrests, so that was down a little bit. Uh, we had one drug sales, um, three failure to appear warrants, uh, another, um, another drug charge, and then a uh, driving after revocation and fleeing police and a domestic assault. Okay, so kind of the same type of things. Yeah. It just, the numbers change a little bit there, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. lots of warrant stuff seems to come up. Yeah, it seems, yeah. We're still having a lot of warrant stuff, which I it just amazes me. It just seems like just it, show it's up. So, it's so yeah. easy right. not to have a warrant right now that it's easier than it's ever been, and yet it is what it is. It is what it is, as he <laughs> says, with gritted teeth, I might add. <laughs> See, one of the things, and I'm just bringing this up to you because, you know, this is what we do, real-time stuff. And yesterday afternoon, I noticed this morning a couple comments on Facebook that, man, there was a bunch of lights and sirens and things happening on the south end of Mora over kind of, you know, the stoplights there. Yep. And they wondered they wondered what was going on. And now Eric, our news director, I'll just read this real quick if Brian yep. doesn't mind because then we can give you just what uh, he has gotten from the state patrol. He said a man was seriously injured after being struck by a motorist in Mora on Wednesday, according to the Minnesota State Patrol, a Toyota Highlander traveling southbound on Highway 65 around 5.30 in the evening, struck a pedestrian who was crossing the highway east to west. The crash occurred at McCarty Court, for folks who know that area. The pedestrian was identified as 24-year-old Bruno resident Wally Murray. He was transported to North Memorial Robbinsdale for life-threatening injuries. The driver was not injured in the crash, and the Canaba County Sheriff's Office assisted at the scene. So um, that pretty much tells the story there, but why I wanted to talk to Brian is just a little bit more behind the scenes. So when something like this happens, it's on a state road, as it was on 6523 area there, so state patrol, whoever, when the call goes out, how does it work from there? Explain it to somebody like me that doesn't know how that works. Well, the call goes out that there's a, an accident. And in this particular case, I happen to be just getting out of my vehicle um, at the end of the day. And uh, this, the call comes out as a uh, vehicle, a car pedestrian uh, crash at the south. We call it the south junction. Okay. So we got two stoplights, north. North Junction North and, and South. South Junction, right? Really <laughs> right. easy for us. We're kind of simple that way. Um, and uh, actually, the so it goes out to everybody that's on the air. Um, so all responding units or all available units respond to that location and whoever can get there fastest. In this particular case, it was actually the drug task force agent mm. that was first on scene because he was just on his way um, – on the way from the jail for one of those arrests we just talked about. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, he was actually first on the scene. Um, and then I think my, our patrol deputies were next, and, and then uh, uh, 
trooper showed up and um, one or two, I don't remember which, uh, but uh, they they then, you know, after the, everybody goes through the, the life-saving practices that, that they can do, you know, they launched a helicopter right away and, and ambulance obviously was on its way and all those things were going on. Um, the individual was conscious and talking at the time but obviously serious injuries. Sure. Um, so they did their life-saving measures, and then once all that's done, then they discuss, okay, who's doing what? Because you have to, you have to investigate the crash. You know, why did this crash happen? And then there's, is there uh, criminal liability somewhere in that mix? Um, and you have to ask a lot of questions, and, you know, um, being that it was on a state highway— the state patrol normally takes the lead on anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have, they, they go through a lot of special training to do what they call accident reconstructions. And an accident reconstruction is they try and reconstruct what took place at that particular scene at that particular event. Sure. And so they got a lot of special tools and um, uh, they go through, some of their troopers go through, extensive extra training to be a reconstructionist um so i'm sure that took place last night uh from what i hear uh they were there for a lot of hours um and the victim was gone pretty quick um so i'm sure they were doing a reconstruction and so they're they're probably painting lines on the roadway and taking measurements and um, they actually use drone technology now to do a lot of the reconstruction because you can get an aerial view Right. You know, what's better than looking down from above uh, for something like that to try and figure out what took place? When it happens in dark hours, because <laughs> we're in winter, so 530 it's dark. Yeah. Does that make a difference? Will they come back the next day maybe for better sight or not necessarily? Sometimes, but not. I think with the technology that they have these days, I don't think they need to do that. I think they'll do it right then and there. Well, it's fresh in everyone's right. mind, well, so Well, it's speak. fresh and... You know, in the winter, you got to deal with other issues. Um, paint doesn't stick. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't even work. Um, I don't think it was cold enough for that problem. But uh, I've been on scenes like that where paint don't work because it's too cold. Too darn cold. Sure. Yep. Yep. Or it gets wiped away, or there's you know it's wet and, and those kinds of things. So um, I'm sure that's why they were on scene was they wanted to get it done with the with the weather that was in the forecast. Well, and just to bring this up as kind of a side note, yesterday Tom Cruikshank was in from MnDOT, and they were talking about the study that's going on, the corridor study. That mm-hmm. I know you were at the open house, so was I back in the early December. And just talking about that, you know, like crashes and things that happen on this corridor through from 65 right. to 23 and all right. that. And they were saying that the traffic count and what happens and the busyness of 65 is why they're looking at doing some changes along that corridor and I know well and they need to they need to because not just 65 but 23 has become a busy busy highway and um, I attended one of their town hall meetings or whatever they did about you know that uh, and actually it was about the corridor in town right you know where we get the congestion because you get two major highways coming together for a mile, mile and a half, two miles, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and uh, it creates some issues, and and it's all on a busy main strip of businesses, and 
a lot of comings and goings, and there's there's we got a lot of there's a lot of traffic issues there that need to be resolved because of how different it is from what it was 30 years ago. Um, so we had some differences of opinions um, for sure. Um, but they want they want. In, they want insight. They want public, well, and, and I would assume they, your insight as well, Brian. Yeah, yeah. They, they want insight, <laughs> but I was a little okay. frustrated in, in some of the answers that I got to some of what they were looking at doing. Um, so, I mean, a lot of other people are engineers, um, but some of the statistical stuff that they were talking about I don't agree with. Um, I know I, I drive those roads every day. I have for my entire career. And um, I can tell you for a fact that there's significant increase in traffic on Highway 23 and Highway 65. And they didn't agree with that. So okay. um, I don't know where they get their info from, but I, I, it's not what I see. It's not what my deputies see. And, well, and uh, I know that's not what the public sees. I know they mentioned one of the things Eric mentioned in the in the report that he was doing on air was that the traffic through Mora is one of the highest in the state, actually, as far as certain times. I would think so. So, I mean, some of that data is out there, and it's just get it that clarified, and then that's going to be somewhat of a determiner in what they decide to do. I'm assuming. Well, and. You know, I'm, I'm kind of I kind of get down to sim- I try to keep things simple. And to me, when you got two two lane highways coming together into two lanes, there's going to be a problem. Because you're going so yes, all this you, is converging. How do, you, how do you fix that? Right. You make more lanes. I, I see, yeah, they do it in the metro. You see all the where you got merging freeways coming together between the merges. You put an extra lane. Well, why aren't we doing that here? And they refuse to go down that road, and I, I'm sure it's because of money. Well, it's bound to be. They have a certain mar- amount earmarked, as from what uh, Tom mentioned yesterday. Yeah. So why? How do you earmark an, an amount of money when you haven't even de- you haven't even determined the problem? Sure. That's ridiculous. You don't make decisions that way. You determine what the problem is, and then you figure out how you're going to get the money to earmark. That's the sad thing about it's it, is because you're because you're you're restricted then. For what happens between this right. study and when this is going to come to fruition anyway. Right. And we know all prices keep changing. Let's look at what pavement costs and, you know, some of those right. basic things, how that fluctuates. So right. it's hard to pinpoint what it's going to take to make a project right. like this happen. You need to figure out what's going to fix the problem and then figure out how much is it going to cost and how are we going to pay for it. Cart before the horse, so to speak. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't understand that philosophy. Um, so... They're there, and we have a disagreement. But between, that's okay, Brian. That's yeah. why I like to have you in and get these different facets of this, because I do think everybody wants it to be a safer area to go through. They want it to be more efficient. They want the businesses to still be happy right. with the way traffic is right. is flowing through that area. Right. So there's a lot to consider. We get that. And actually, this bringing up this accident, you know, that is a busy area, a pedestrian it, situation. <coughs> it's, you know? a bu- it's a busy area. I don't believe that busyness had anything to do with that with accident. With this accident. Absolutely okay. not. Um, there's going to be there's gonna be something else because it was, yeah. is it a busy time? Yeah, so to speak. But um, I believe the individuals on their way to work in the cities, so they were going the non-busy direction. Um, so it wasn't a busy flow people coming home from work. 
that that was right. It wasn't hit him. wasn't south to north. It was north to south. Is what you're saying? Yes. Am I right on that? Okay. I, yes. Yes. Which makes. But sense. it was at a it was at an odd location. Why there was nothing to cross to at that particular location. So why they were why they were walking where they were walking in the middle of the road that night? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know they were in dark clothing. That there doesn't was, help. I'll tell you. Was, they had a, a black jacket and camo pants. Oh, I'm, well, they're, they're not think, they're not thinking about that. They're not being seen walking no. in the dark, and I have no. found that more than once. I go to work when it's still dark in in the right. morning, obviously, right. and more than once I've come upon somebody, and it's like, man, I wish you'd. Right. I, I had one gentleman uh, and walking, and he had there's reflectors on the back of those high boots that you wear, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's like thank God he had those because yeah. I saw those before anything else. Yeah. Otherwise, he was pretty much in dark clothing. Well, there's a there's a lot of clothing out there. Now that that's reflective has reflective and, and it's just you know just the piping on jackets just and stuff something and to doesn't uh, even look reflective until you throw some light on it right but um, it makes a difference so absolutely absolutely and when you don't have that you know you're just putting yourself at more risk and folks want to get out i know at first of the year there are joggers out again and there's oh, yeah. you know not that it, it stopped at one point but i think I they do a pretty that. good job of they're aware because they're, they're aware. aware of the dangers of of running or walking on a, on a roadway um but then again they're not generally not out in the middle of the traffic lane either. yes this was a different scenario um, for there yeah, so i don't know there's probably a lot of details that i don't know yet to speak of so right. i can't really say you know what what caused that and why did that have to happen sure and as we kind of wrap up this discussion but one more thing that comes to mind talking about traffic and the spot there where quick trip is you know, and Morashev and that cross section, since Quick Trip has come in, especially, that's a good example of how things have changed since that road right. happened. Right. And the traffic there, and I, I just so encourage the folks that are in these little carts that they drive, and uh, even people wanting to walk or bike across there. I know there's a, a spot they're supposed to be able to go. That is such a dangerous oh, area. I would never, as a pedestrian, even try to cross there. I right. would find someplace else to cross, right. even though they're supposed to be able to cross there. Well, and because of because of the residences that, that are yeah, there. I get why there, they want to cross there. There's a lot there. of people that have to walk. Sure. And that's uh, uh, it, not a... And that's one of the things in that study that is a focal point of changing. So what can we do to make it safer to get for people to get from point A to point B as pedestrians, not only uh, vehicle traffic? Right. So there's a lot to um, consider. There's there's just so much going on at that intersection. We've had a lot of wrecks, especially when Quick Trip first opened. It's gotten a little bit better since then. I think the local I think awareness, yeah, kind of figured out. Okay, this is a problem, and adjusted their arrivals accordingly. Um, but there's so much going on there. You got two frontage roads. You got two major lanes of traffic. You got people turning yep. left, right, and every other direction, straight across. And there's just too much going on. Even an attentive driver can't take it all in. It's a lot, especially the busier times that we've talked about. Even yesterday, you know, summertime, these Friday evenings. I mean, there's just certain times it's especially busy. Yeah. And you just try to do something different. I know I do. I try to if I need to go there. I might go back around, go through town, and go to the stoplight. I mean, right. I've done that because right. it's not that much further, and if it saves me just a little bit of a hassle, right. I will do that. Right. 
and and locals can do that, and I know a lot of locals do do that. I do the same thing. Um, so I think a lot of our local people do do those things. Um, but you get so many travelers coming through that that stop, um, which is a great thing. Yeah, we want them to do thing. that. Absolutely, yep. we want them to stop. So we need to make it safe and easy for them to still do what they need to do. Absolutely. And I so like I say, I really appreciate your perspective on this. And we'll hear more about this study. It's still being worked on, but getting, like I say, folks like you, Brian, your take on it, I think is really important. So I appreciate your thoughts there. Yeah, thank you. All right, my dear. Anything else we need to touch on before I let you go? Oh, not that I can think of. Well, know, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> traffic safety was a good... A good, good reminder uh, yeah. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, all right. You know, always be attentive. Watch that road. It's uh, you never know somebody's going to be out, maybe where they shouldn't be, and uh, so attentive driving is very, very important. It's key, and probably one of your biggest responsibilities. Right, right. And now you know weather is being more like it is in Minnesota, and so colder stuff coming. Just uh, again, put that winter cap back on. Slippery stuff and all the things that go along with that. All the above. Absolutely. Brian Smith, Canaba County Sheriff, always a pleasure. We'll catch up next week.